Hi. In case we haven't met, I'm Julie. I'm the admin assistant here. And I know there are some people who have probably been here way longer than I have been, but don't live here anymore. And so I am a new face to them. <laughs> um, but hello, welcome everyone. We're just gonna do a few quick announcements. Um, Holy Yoga is starting this Tuesday with Angie. She's doing a morning class, 7 to 8 a.m. It's online only, so you can just roll out of bed and get on your mat. <laughs> um, so you can go to the um, our church website to sign up for that. Um, you can also see me or Angie if you have any questions, and we're happy to do that for you. The Fontaine's Bible Study is restarting again soon. Um, it's going to be on Wednesdays. There would normally be a date there. But um, Adri's been traveling for work, and Kelly and the kids are headed home from Costa Rica. So we're just going to give them a week or two to get settled, and then we'll let you know what date that's starting up again. But um, it's going to be on Wednesdays from 6.30 to 8 at their home. So stay tuned for a date for that. But if you're interested, um, I've heard such good things about the group, and I wish I was able to go. <laughs> um, and then finally, we are going to be starting Lent dinners on Thursday nights starting February 15th. Lent this year starts on Valentine's Day. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> um, but we are going to be getting together every week um, like we did for Advent. We'll have just a simple dinner together. We'll do um, a community Advent just an hour long, Thursday nights at 5.30. Um, so we hope you'll come. We loved doing it for Advent. So that was really great. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our offering, and I wanted to give you a Christmas giving update um, for those who weren't here last year, or last year, last week. And I think we got another check this week, so I think we're sending a little over $4,600 to Chris Curry in Thailand, which is amazing. Um, we're really excited to hear um, how he uses that. Um, it's really cool to see the things he uses it for. Um, it's very obvious that, you know, our money makes an impact. Um, we also prayed last month for um, Chris's son, Ethan, who has um, AVRT. He has a heart condition. He had a procedure um, right before Christmas that they were hoping would be curative. Um, and just um, this morning, I saw that Chris posted uh, that their son, Ethan, has been having heart palpitations and was in the ICU overnight for observation. So if we could be thinking about them and praying for them, um, I know that his heart condition has been really hard on their family to be processing and working through that, and um, this is a this is just really hard for them to be realizing that uh, it might not have been as cured as they were hoping. We're also going to do our offering now, so you can always text any amount to eight four three two one, and you can give that way. If you haven't done that before, it'll just walk you through the steps real quick to get your bank account connected and everything. You can also put a check or cash in the giving box outside the office. You can always mail um, your offering in as well to the church or set up ACH through your bank. So we'll pray for our offering. Lord, we thank you for um, how you have blessed us and how you've enabled us to bless um, Chris and his family and the Red Lahu people through our Christmas giving. We are so grateful um, to be able to use what you've given us um, and to, to see how you use it to bless others. So we are grateful for that. I pray that as this new year starts um, and we're thinking about, you know, just kind of redoing things or, or what this looks like, I pray that we would be attentive to how you're calling us to give our money and our time and our energy um, to our church community and the community at large. 
and we are grateful. Thank you for Pastor Janice speaking today, and um, I pray that we would have ears to hear what you are saying through her. In your name, amen. Oh, and also, check out on our bulletin board, we got a thank you note from the fire department for our gifts to them, so that's pretty fun. So thank you guys. And here's Pastor Janice. Settled here. My notes are out of order. That wouldn't be good. Start in the middle. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Hang on. I'm likely to trip over this for sure. So, um, Happy New Year. This is our first Sunday in. January 2024, okay, so who else besides me is like in denial that it's 2024, right? Some of us, some of us a little bit. So I got thinking about this message. I wanted to start with uh, some little humor. I'm going to move to the side. So uh, Eric's has some, uh, I, I looked up some New Year's resolution cartoons, and um, uh, because we all have kind of this love-hate relationship with New Year's and New Year's resolutions. Most people I know. Some people really love them, some people really hate them, but in general, our culture has this love-hate relationship. So this is, you know, what exactly is a New Year's resolution? It's a to-do list for the first week of January, okay? Or, secondly, people be like, I'm going to start working out this year. Who's, who's saying that? Yep, mm -hmm. that nose got a little longer. Uh-huh, that's usually mine. Uh, some of you, you gotta be in the right generation for this one, Dr. Evil, quote, quote, good luck with your New Year's resolutions. I got one more, I got one more. Mr. Grumpy Cat, happy new whatever, just don't screw it up. So anyways, that's my little humor to start um, I, I really wanted to talk about um, uh, New Year's and kind of looking forward. Um, I, I think New Year's resolutions get a bad rap. I think that in our heart, most of us sort of like think about it because it's just that time of year. And uh, I was talking to Juliana before uh, the service, and we were talking a little bit about like, like, um, the rhythm of the church and I thought you know New Year's kind of does that for us it it presents a rhythm for us every year whether you're in the church or not it's not a church rhythm but it's a rhythm of our lives because every year we all think we all celebrate in our own way New Year's Eve 2023 but most everybody will kind of either look back and they'll say hmm well, I'm glad that's behind me. Or they'll say, oh, it was a good year. I hope 2024, it will be a great year too. Or I hope 2024 will be, you know, much better than 2023. Um, whether we admit that or not, whether we like think about it a lot or a little bit, I think that we always think about some things that maybe we'd like to be a little different in our lives. 
Um, and, and there's a good reason for that. It's because we're hopeful people. We have a desire to things, to see things better than yesterday, better than the year before. We have a desire to like think, oh, you know, this next year, I'm gonna be in physically better shape, right? Or I'm going to have better relationships with friends or with my family. I'm gonna work towards that. Or maybe, um, you know, I'm gonna read more this year because I want, you know, to be mentally more uh, engaged. There's, there's all sorts of things that we can say about um, uh, New Year's resolutions and what they cause us to think about, but they go back to this innate desire that we all have to be just a little bit different, um, to be a little bit better, to mean a little bit more, um, to be a little bit more satisfied. Um, uh, uh, I, I just, I, I was thinking about all the New Year's resolutions that some of them that were insinuated about whether we, okay, I'm gonna eat less, I'm gonna exercise more, so we're physically better, spend more time with family, friends, I think I mentioned that. How about travel more, save more money, make more money, um, somehow or, or anything. And then there's this whole relationship with God. Where are we at spiritually, in our spiritual walk? It's like, what do I want to change in that area? And you know, I think it's really good and healthy to think about these things. I think it's good to spend some time. And I hope to today, what I hope to accomplish is to give you some tools that will help you think about what 2024 is gonna look like for you. Um, I'm gonna start with prayer. All right, Lord, we thank you for being here. We thank you for uh, seeing us all into the new year. And wherever we're at today, Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people. And um, if, if there's something they need to hear, Lord, open their ears so that they would hear it. Okay, amen. So last week, Angie spoke on reflecting on 2023. How has God come to you last year? Uh, if you weren't here, if you weren't here and didn't get to hear her in person, that is on podcast, I believe. And you can um, go to podcasts and, and look that up and, and listen to that. Um, and she mentioned about all the ways that God had come to her in 2023. Uh, great message. Thank you, Angie. Um, so it, it seemed natural for me to talk about these two weeks that pastors Jamie and Heidi are gone. It seemed natural if she was going to talk about reflecting on 2023, I should talk about looking forward into 2024. And um, um, and I realize, um, you know, we're all coming a little bit from different places depending on how we maybe look back into 2023. So if 2023 was a year of hardships, a year of suffering, a year of disappointment, you're probably feeling like, I am really glad to see that get behind me. And I have this hope that I can look forward into something that's more joyful, more wonderful, more um, with maybe peaceful 
maybe more change, maybe more adventure in my life. There could be lots of things that you might be looking forward to. You may already have some plans for 2024. Some of you have vacations maybe already planned or your things about, well, I'm going to plan to do this or that. And um, um, so I, Angie asked the question, how did God come to you last year? And I'm going to say, how does God come to us in the future? How is he coming to us this year? So Matthew 28, just to be clear, tells us that God is always with us. And, and so even that, that question, I know, that coming to us, it's about how God's presence works in our lives on a day-to-day basis. We're not saying that God isn't always with us because God promised in Matthew 28 he would always be with us to the end of the age. So he's here. He's here right now. We understand that. But there are times in our lives where God comes to us and it's, tan- it's more tangible. And, um, and I, think you, I think probably most of you understand what I'm saying. It's more tangible, more heartfelt, more... It's, it's when you sit there and you say, wow, I just heard God speak to me, <laughs> and, um, and that. So in Hebrews 11.8, the author writes, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I just kind of wanted to start there because I thought that passage really said what I hope to impart a little bit, that the designer of our life is God. The builder is God in our lives. But in this passage, by faith, Abraham looked forward to seeing that foundation built. Okay? He was expectant of it. And sometimes, you know, well, I mean, I do this. Sometimes I'm just moving from day one to day two. And that's, that's all I can do. And, you know, that's okay. But there is a bigger picture of our lives of what's going on that God is is building, he's constructing, he's doing things all around us all the time. And a lot of times we we don't notice it, we don't see it. Sometimes we can have our heads buried in the sand and we don't see it. Um, But Abraham, by faith, believed it, that um, God was the designer and he was going to um, participate in that. This is the same faith and hope that we have in a big picture realm. God has given us promises, and we look forward someday to an inheritance. Our inheritance is our eternal salvation. Someday. It's not today. Hopefully it's not today for any of us. But if it is, that's where our faith should be, is in our hope that we're going to live with God forever. So we look forward, just like Abraham did, to the promises that we have in God. And we have promises throughout Scripture that are given to us, but we also have individual promises, how God speaks to us in the moment. 
So about a month ago, when I first talked to Angie about what she was going to speak on, and um, it seemed, you know, I, was, I, I kind of explained this, it seemed kind of a natural thing. Well, you talk about last year, I'll talk about the new year. And, and in that week, um, after I kind of made that decision, there were two other scriptures that really came to mind for me, and that um, as I'm wont to do when I'm preparing and I know I'm going to be speaking, I just try to, to hear what God's saying in that moment. Uh, I'm not perfect in that, okay? I just, there's no perfection here, but I try to hear what is it that you're wanting to say, God? And there were a couple of things that really imparted on my heart. I had these two scriptures, and so over the last week or so, I started, those things just sort of simmer for a while for me. That's how it works. They just kind of simmer in my heart. I don't write anything down. I just kind of, you know, I'm going to bed at night, and I'm kind of thinking about those things and what it means. So I want to start with the first of those two scriptures. I'm going to read the two scriptures, and then I want to go into um, what I hope is, is maybe um, a practical ap- adaptation for, for people. It's always good to have something practical, so I'm hoping that it'll be practical. So the first scripture is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and um, um, should be on, I'm going to move out of the way just a little bit, so if you want to read it, it's up on the screen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I have to add this because whenever you start a verse with therefore, you need to kind of know what, came, what the therefore refers to. And in this context, it's chapter 11, where the author of Hebrews is expounding on the great cloud of witnesses. Because this verse starts out, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So I'm going to read off the names of the people that are listed in chapter 11, the therefore. And um, a lot of you will know, there might be some names you don't recognize, both men and women in this list. Cloud of witnesses, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. They're all listed in chapter 11. I encourage you to go back and read that chapter. It's, it's very encouraging. Um, these are the founders of our faith in a lot of ways, and we look to them, and they also had to lay aside, as the verse indicates, their own burdens and their sins to run a race and to endure to have endurance, keeping their eyes on a promise of the future of one who would sit at the right hand of God. These are all people who lived prior to the time of Jesus. They're all found in the Old Testament. Um, So they didn't know Jesus by name, but they had a promise that was given to them that came down through the Israelites. But we live in the New Testament time, 
So we look to Jesus, and um, um, but these are men and women. Uh, if you don't know about some of them, and I'm sure some of them you've heard from, <laughs> these are these were not perfect people. There were prostitutes in this list. There were murderers in this list. There was all sorts of sin that is easy to see. And if this is a great if you're if you're wanting to get to know some of the founders of the faith. Just take that list and, s- and read the stories about each of them, the struggles they had, the, the, the things that they dealt with in their lives. We're not really any different than, than people were, uh, you know, a thousand years ago and 2,000 years ago. The second strip scripture also has an athletic-type theme to it. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's written by Paul, who also could be in that list of a person who persecuted Jesus, persecuted his followers, and, um, and the Lord showed himself to Paul. And so this is Paul writing about run hard. And, and if I'm not an athlete, okay? I mean, I, I, I did some athletic stuff when I was younger and everything, but I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s now. I'm not really an athlete and, and everything. But I do know something about athletes. I know they train hard. I love to watch the Olympics. I know they have to have endurance. I know that they um, spend a great amount of time getting to the place where they're running for the gold, running for the grand prize there. So discipline and endurance often mark their lives. They have to have enough endurance to keep training day after day after day after day and and to be all that they want to be. And these verses, anyways, they came to mind because I think sometimes we forget that this is what our lives look like. Our lives are like a race. This is what Paul is saying in this passage, that we need to endure. We need to be disciplined. We need to strive in, in some way. Now, I'm, I'm not a works person, so I'm not saying that if we do all the right things, we're somehow going to arrive at this place. But there is part of us inside of us that want to live well. And, and I believe that God has put that in our lives, to live well. Um, I, I'm going to, let me see what I'm doing on time here. I think I'm okay. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I decided to read this. I wasn't going to read this, but there's this poem called The Dash. How many of you have heard of that? Have you guys heard the poem? Oh, not very many. Okay, so this is good probably that I'm going to read it. It's not a very long poem, um, and but I thought in some ways it kind of 
epitomizes the, the idea that I'm trying to work here with about what do our lives mean and why is that important at this time of year? Okay, the dash. It was written by Linda Ellis. It says, I'll blow it up a little bit. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears, but he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth, and now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left. They can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real, and always try to understand the way other people feel, and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering this special dash, dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? Um, somebody gave me that book. It came in a little, like a little book years ago. And I've kept it on my, my bookshelf. And um, I hadn't read it for a while, but it kind of occurred to me actually just this morning that if you hadn't e heard it before, you might be blessed by hearing it. Because I think that the, it touches a place in most of us where, yes, we want to live well. We want to be more than what we feel like we are today. And um, um, the thing is, is the dash doesn't just happen. I guess it could. I mean, we could live our lives and just go from day to day and not really pay attention to how we're living. And, um, or, or we have things that happen that, that cause us to like not be able to see what's really going on in our lives. Um, but if you think about how you want to be remembered, there's probably things that come to mind that you would like to see. So there are three things that I'm going to share. I'm going to get into some practical application, I hope, that for me have helped me to focus and not get quite as sidetracked, to let me think about what, what's important to me. We're all different, so what I have is not the same as what you have. My hope is to just share a couple of tools that might help you think through the process of what is in that dash right now. You don't have the end date. All you have is the dash is going on right now in your life. So um, first of all, there's no perfection. I want to be clear. There's no perfection in these things. Our lives are not perf perfected in any way. We are sinful creatures. That's why we rely on Jesus. We have to rely on Jesus. <laughs> 
And uh, so there's no perfection. They're just more like what I think of as soft reminders, like something you can go back to and say, how am I doing on that? You know, I want to grow in this area. How am I doing on that? Um, first of all, I have to give some credit because none of this is stuff that I created. Um, but, uh, and some of you might be familiar with some of it and others, it'll, might, some of this might be new. But I picked out three things. There's other things too that have really affected my life, but I picked out three things. The first two are Stephen Covey uh, habits for highly effective people. And I, I looked up last night, I said, when did he write that book? So he came out with a book. He's actually had written several books. He's deceased now. His dash is over. But he wrote, the first book he wrote was Seven, highly, uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. And it was used a great amount in businesses and in um, um, not necessarily for personal lives. It was really created to be used in like how... Um, businesses are run and how everybody has their own duty and chore and and type of thing within a business and how to be more effective within business he also wrote um i think he wrote a book called tyranny of the urgent which i'm going to talk about a little bit as well but um the first two actually come out of the seven habits great habits um not all necessarily pertinent, but if you adapt some of them to your personal life, um, I found for me, it helps me keep that focus to keep that, that mindset going. So the first one is begin with the end in mind. Okay, begin with the end in mind. So they say that you're never going to hit a target unless you take aim that you need to aim at something to hit at anything. And I would just advocate, again, going back to this idea of just trying to promote God's presence in my life and in the areas of my life, I'd like to go back to, well, I sure would like to aim at something. Now, I might not hit a target. Uh, in fact, I've had a lot of targets that I've tried to aim for and I haven't hit. I haven't succeeded in what I thought was my goal. But I want to say that it's not so much about the target sometimes because life is going to happen in between the aiming and hitting the target. And But I believe that the key is aiming to think about these things. Take aim at something that you would like to see happen. Um, one of the reasons that we often, I think, don't share New Year's resolutions is because we don't want to admit that we failed. We don't want to admit like we're the guy, yeah, the first week I was going really good. You know, I went on that diet and then, you know, I don't know, I had a bad day and, you know, I ate a whole package of cookies. What can I say? We don't want to share that because it's a little, we feel shameful about it. I mean, that's the honesty of it. We kind of feel ashamed. So we, we kind of hold our New Year's resolutions softly. We might have them up here, but we don't want to say, well, this year I'm going to lose 20 pounds because if we fail, then we have to admit, right? We have to admit that we failed. And I don't think we really like to admit failure. It's okay to admit failure, but I don't think we really like to do it. Um, but... 
it causes me, this keeping the end in mind, causes me to think about four areas of my life. Where I'm at physically, where I'm at emotionally, where I'm at mentally, how I think, and where I am at spiritually. Um, I'm not saying that's all inclusive and you guys might have your own things, but for me, those are the four major things. I have a physical body I need to keep taking care of. Uh, I'm having, for most of you already know, I'm having surgery this week. I'm getting a new hip because my hip went south on me and uh, I needed to take care of it and I'm gonna do it. Um, emotionally, it's just how am I doing like in my relationships, in my loves, in my passions? How are those things? Am I, am I having a lot of ups and downs emotionally? Am I stable? Am I allowing God to come to me in those places? Uh, how am I doing mentally? Am I, am I still a learner? I'd like to be a lifelong learner. That would be one of my goals. Am I still doing that? And how am I learning um, uh, uh, in that? And what kinds of things do I want to learn? I, my, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter, Becca here, sitting in the front row, she's helped me this last year to learn how to do some burn painting. And that's kind of like, for me, it's a mental thing. And she's very crafty, and I'm not so much, but I like crafts, and it's one of those things that can stimulate for me. And, and so she's come alongside me and helped me do that, and that's a goal. It's been a goal of mine to learn how to do that. I'd like to create some things. And then spiritually is a, such a big realm. But, and it, it causes me to ask questions like, where do I want my prayer life to be? Where's the end result of where I want my prayer life? What would I like to have happen in my prayer life? How much Bible reading do I need to be doing? Like, and at what point? Where do I need to be? And there might be all sorts of questions. Um, how, how am I doing loving people? How am I doing, uh, do I need to be evangelizing more? Do I need to be, I mean, the, any questions that relate to spirituality, I'm not saying that those are all questions I ask all the time. I'm just saying that there, there are possibilities of questions that you might ask about where is my life with God? Where is my life with God? Do I feel rushed? Do I feel his presence? Do I feel his love for me? Uh, there's just all sorts of questions that can be asked. But I can't tell you what your end of mind, what your end in mind is. But I have to make that decision for myself. I want to have a target to aim at. And so I have to look ahead enough to see where I want to go. So the second thing. Uh, I referred to tyranny of the urgent. I'm going to draw you a little picture here. I brought the board out. This actually, um, <laughs> amazingly, this is also a Stephen Covey uh, habit. And, whoops, oops, sorry, which I find was just like, it, it really kind of cut to the quick about a lot of things in my life, okay? And some of you may know this. This is uh, a quadrant. This is quad one, two, three. I'll step out of the way in a second. And above this one, not urgent. 
I'll explain this in a second. Let me get it up here. So this is a real practical way when you start thinking about your time, okay? So this is uh, called, it's called, like, I don't know, they call it the four quadrants or, or whatever they call it, but it was devised, again, for business, really, uh, by Stephen Covey about knowing what you needed to do, what you should be doing, what you should be delegating, and what you should be deleting from your life. That's what it was used for. Um, it's not quite so, works that way on a personal level, but you have four quads in your life. You have things that are urgent and you have things that are not urgent. We all have them, okay? We have things that are urgent and we have things that are not urgent. We also have things that are important and we have things that are not important, okay? And everything that in our life could be in one of these th four categories. So let me explain each one. The one here, box one, urgent and important. These are the crises in our lives, okay? My daughter fell off the bike. She broke her arm. I got to go to the hospital. That is urgent and it's important. You need to do that, okay? Um, the pipes broke on the house and my house is flooding. That is urgent. It's also very important because you don't want to get your house flooded, right? These are often like emergencies, crises, that type of thing. You don't want to live there, let me tell you. That's a very stressful life if you live in that quad. You go from one emergency to another, okay? The second quad are things that are not urgent, but they're important. So things that are never urgent, but really important are time with God, time with family, time with friends. They're things that um, planning you want to get things done. You want to um, have uh, um, uh, certain things planning can go in here. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else I put in there. But mostly, I'm thinking, for me, I think a lot about relationships here. My relationship with God, family, and friends. And wanting to be in that area. But planning is also a big thing in Quad 2. Stephen Covey would say, this is the place that you want to spend the most amount of your time in quad two. Because there are things that are really important, but they're never urgent. So if you don't plan them, they don't happen. It means that you're over here or here or here. Okay. Quad three, things that are urgent but not important. The solicitor at the door. <laughs> that you really don't want to talk to. The phone ringing from, you know, the phone ringing could be somebody that's, it could be important, but a lot of times it's not that important, and, but it interrupts something. So interruptions often are, are urgent. It's somebody else's crisis coming to you, can be not important to you, but it becomes urgent. They're, they're knocking down your door, help me, help me, um, becomes urgent. Um, this is the area that Stephen Covey in business would say that's the stuff you try to delegate out to other people because they're not, it's not important to you. This isn't, this isn't a group thing either. This is an individual thing. This is something that you decide what's important and not important to you and what's urgent and not urgent. I'm not deciding it for you. I'm just talking about the kinds of things that are, that are in these groups often. And number four is not important, not urgent. Okay. Uh, playing video games. 
usually not too important, not urgent. Social media, it's usually not too important, and it's certainly not urgent. Um, but they're often considered in this group time wasters, things that you take a lot of time with, but they're not really important and they're not really urgent. So this has been life-changing just to understand this for me because I sometimes will be caught in a situation in my life and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm you know down here, I'm doing something that is not even important but I feel like it's urgent and I don't wanna be there, how do I change that? Here's the other thing I wanna say about, about these. Um, um, first of all, I wanted to say about in quad th two, the things that you don't plan usually don't happen. And my, I was thinking about like, uh, for example, that if, uh, so I, my, my, uh, I have a daughter and son-in-law and two grandkids that live with us, and my mother-in-law lives with us and, and stuff, and we take turns cooking. So if I want a menu plan, I need to plan. I need to, I need to talk to Tyler. He's the other main cook in the house. What are you cooking this week? What am I cooking? What do I need at the grocery store? And, and then if I plan that out well, I'm not saying I always do this, so don't, don't misunderstand me. But if I plan it out well, I make one trip to the grocery store, I get what I need, and I'm good for the week because I've planned well. And I've spent most of my time up here. And it's important. We need to eat, and uh, it's a planning thing. However, if I don't plan well, then what happens is I get home, and I want to cook something. I don't have an item, and I'm like, oh, i got to run to the store. I might be over here doing that, wasting time having to run to the store for another item. If I'm really in trouble, I might have to go to the store two or three times and not be successful. Or I have to change my menu plan, which can kind of screw things up as well. So th there's certain things that I found can be in all four of these at different times. And my, my example of that is, okay, so chores, I think, sometimes can operate in all four of these, and this is how it works. So if Jan's out of underwear, all of a sudden it becomes very urgent and important. He needs some laundry done, okay? I'm better off if I plan to do my laundry on a regular basis, keep his, you know, his underwear stocked up so he's not like, I don't have any underwear, right? So it's better over here. But over here, it's where I might say, well, you need to do your own laundry because <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's urgent for you, but it's not so urgent for me, and you need to get it done yourself. <laughs> not that he would do that, but he would in a pinch. He would in a pinch. I try to stay up here and stuff so he doesn't have to be you know, down here going, oh, I don't know what to do. And then this is where I'm like, I got to go to the store and buy him some underwear because... <laughs> because uh, I didn't get the laundry done on time and he's in this place and, and whatever. So there's different, there's different ways that you can use it and, and see, but the goal is basically to kind of stay as much time as you can. You will spend time in all three things and there are things that you do that can be restful that you might say, well, is reading a book a time waster? Is being on social media a time waster? Not necessarily.
um, you might have to ask yourself, well, how much time is okay for it not to be a time waster? You might have to ask yourself that. All right, I'm trying to stay on, on task here. All right, I think I'm okay. So I got one more thing for you, okay? And Kathy, would you do me a favor? Maybe Kathy and Janice. Would you pass these out? So just to bring it a little more to home, this one other tool, uh, Jamie and Heidi, I don't know if this is from somewhere or, or what. We're going to put it on the big screen. This is called the rule of life. This is the other thing that has been life-changing for me. And as much as I look at this, it's hard to be real specific. This has been wonderful for me to, to have in my life to like know when my life feels really out of balance, my, what might be going wrong. But the rule of life for me is totally been something that I like to review every year and sometimes more often because it allows me to, to speak directly about things. It, 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 something I'm writing down that target is what I need to help promote me. So um, I don't know, I, again, I'm not sure whether Jamie designed this or whether he got it from another source. Do you know, Casey? Okay. So anyways, it's a great resource. A lot of you maybe have already seen it, but if you haven't, this could be, this hopefully it could be life-changing for you as well. Um, um, so the idea of this is that we have, again, it's kind of a quad system, four different areas here of things that are important, okay? These are all things that are important to us, okay? We have... Uh, he says, prayer, turning my attention to God. But we're, gonna talk that, we're talking about the spiritual life there. Relationships should be important to us. If they're not, you've got to go back to why they're not important to you. But, but our kingdom of heaven, of God, is built around relationships. Relationships with your family, relationships, they may be good, they may be not so good, but, but our lives are built around the relationships we have. People who do not have relationships, who isolate themselves, do not do very well. They don't do well mentally. They don't do well emotionally. They die younger. There's all sorts of things that, that can be. So I encourage you, if you're here today and you feel like, I'm kind of that isolated person, think about maybe what you can do in this area to connect to family, friends, neighbors, whatnot, relationships. But the first one, prayer being basically our relationship with God. And then the third, the third one, the top one on the right, is rest, because we all need it. We work hard as Americans. We kind of have a culture that works hard, get things done. And, um, but we need to have uh, joy and pleasure and delight in our life. We are not made to go through life, oh, I got to go to work, I got to go home, I got to go to work, I got to go home. That is not living well. I'm just going to say, that's not living well. But work's important too, and that will be the fourth quarter, whether we're paid to do the work or whether we're not paid to do the work. Most of my chores, well, I'd consider those, that's my work, you know. Um, what I do here, 
stand up here. This is my work. I have to spend some time with it. So, so here's the questions looking at those four areas, and they have little dots in the boxes you can see, is, is asking ourselves, how do I spend time with God and in prayer and in the word? How do I do that? How often do I do it? This is a place where you can write goals down. You can say, all right, might, because this is what we're shooting for, right? We're shooting for a target. We might not, I mean, we're aiming for a target, and, and, and the aim is what's important. Um, I don't think I've ever been successful in all my targets in, in any one year. I would say I definitely have not. But I still want to set a target out there. So our target might be, well, I want to make sure I spend 15 minutes a day with God. Or this year I might want to uh, read through the New Testament this year. Um, maybe you're, you're like, you already do that well, and you're like, well, I want to read through the whole Bible this year. Or I, um, um, uh, there could be a lot of other things in that area. Um, I want to spend more time in silence. I want to take a class that will promote my, my love of God and help me connect to God. Um, there's lots of things that you could do. Um, um, but it's all about turning your attention to God. And whether you do that in a group or privately, you have options there. It's, it, this is not a legalistic thing. I, I don't have to tell you which box to put something in. Um, but, but the idea might be something like that. Like you're trying to shoot for something to live better, live well. The relationships, it might be like, well, maybe I'll take a meal to a friend once a month. Or I'll call my sister, who I never see, um, once every two weeks. You can write down specific things, because what you're looking for is, I'd like to have a goal. I'd like to shoot at something that will help me live better in my relationships with so-and-so. Um, I, I find that sometimes, I, I have a daughter who lives in Montana. I have three daughters. But I have a daughter who lives in Montana, and I find sometimes I'm like, Gosh, I haven't talked to her for a while. You know, I need to call her. Sometimes she, she works a lot, so, you know, I kind of get sidetracked. This is something that can bring me a little close. Oh, yeah, I want to be more in contact with my children, make sure that I'm, you know, if, even if I can't see them regularly, I want to talk to them on the phone. Um, it's something I can write down. And you don't have to use this, but it's something that you can, you can use. Um, what things give you rest? What things create pleasure, delight for you? I know if I was Heidi, she'd be like, I run. <laughs> She's a runner. It gives her a lot of pleasure, a lot of delight. I don't run. I'm never going to be a runner. I don't want to be a runner. It's not going to be on my list. But there are other things that I do like to do. I'm kind of a fan of mystery novels. I like to read. And uh, so maybe I might put in something like, well, Maybe I read a book every two weeks or every month or something. Things that 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 create a space for me to uh, for pleasure and delight, so that I don't feel like you know I'm I'm doing the work thing all the time or 
or whatever. Uh, there could be lots of things. Anything crafting sometimes is in that area, like doing crafts and stuff. It just creates delight, and you accomplish something sometimes, and and so it, it hits you on multiple levels. And then your work, paid and unpaid, and um, he has a little word here called calling, and I, I remember... Um, before Jamie and Heidi, I've been here a long time, it was Pastor Dan and Patty, and Dan always used to say, what would you do if you didn't have to earn money? What would you do with your life if you didn't have to ever worry about money? And I thought it was a great question, and I thought I would ask it here because, you know, a lot of us get paid. Um, I'm a staff member here at the church. I get paid for that job. A lot of you have your, your job or your work might be students right now, um, and some of you are retired, um, and, and so your, your work becomes more maybe unpaid. Um, but there's still things that you might consider, like jobs that you do, things that you do to um, be a part of your life even so. But wherever your work is, that's a good question to ask. If I wasn't doing this, if I could live my life, maybe that's a big target in life. It's not going to accomplish this year, but it's basically the idea that how could I get to the place where I didn't have to worry about money so I could do whatever I wanted to do and fulfill my calling? I've heard a lot of people say, well, I can't really abide in my calling because I have to, you know, I have to pay the bills and my calling is to do this. Well, that's not a question I'm going to answer here today, but, but I do think that, that it's a good question to ask us when we're kind of reviewing, looking forward, and asking ourselves, what does my dash look like right now? What does that dash look like? I was born in a certain year. I have this line, and on my tombstone, there's going to be a line, and there's going to be another date. But what's that dash going to look like? Is it what I want it to look like? Um, those are the three things that, for me, I'm just saying, they've been super helpful. And, and um, um, just the last things I want to say about it is, one, it, this isn't about, it, it really is not about succeeding and failing. I don't want to make it sound like that at all. It's not about like, oh, look, I'm successful in all these areas and I failed in these areas. It's really about living to a place that God wants me to live. All these things for me are things that I use in conjunction with my relationship with God. And God sometimes has other things to say than what maybe I would write down. But I believe the one thing that we all have in common, our list would look much different from person to person, but I think one thing that we all have in common is we want to matter. We want to matter to someone, to something. We want to make an impact. We want to mean something because that's what breathes life into a lot of us. And um, it's not that we need our five minutes of fame. It's not that we need to be important. But we want to matter. And so we want to live well. We want to make an impact. And um, so 
And if these tools do not appeal to you at all, because you're not that kind of person, that's totally okay. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, uh, I just felt like um, for some of us, sometimes we need tools. We need tools in our bucket to, to be able to do what we want to do. So my question as I close up here, as you move forward into 2024, is what will I do to run the race that God has set before me? What will I do? And how will I be disciplined? How will I be the athlete in the race of life? How will I be disciplined? How will I have endurance? How will I be able to go in for the long haul? And um, I just want to leave you with that question. The worship team is going to come back up here. And they have one more song to sing. And I just want you to know that you guys are very loved here. Um, think of Jamie and Heidi as they return this week. And um, before, as we stand to sing together, then um, I just want to say bless all of you in the new year. I, it's, it's the one thing I can offer to all of you that is, is good and worthy. And it's to ask God to bless you in your life, in your relationships, in your work, in uh, your love for God and your love for each other. And um, so stand together as we sing this. Thank you. <laughs>